Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Welcome to Papercut. This week we'll be discussing The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls, 2017. Eugene, take it away. Glass Castle is basically a memoir mm-hmm. by well, Jeanette Walls. So right now she's a, I think, columnist at MS, MSNBC, or she was a columnist at MSNBC at one point. And um, she talks about her unorthodox childhood, so how her parents did parenting in a very unconventional way. Um, her dad, Rex, was an alcoholic, yeah. and we can see a lot of that in the story. So there was a lot of like him going away for days on end, um, drinking his life away, and her mum as well. So her mum was what I would describe as like a sympathizer to her dad so my so like not as much of a mess as her dad was but still you know quite a bit of a mess in terms of how she thinks parenting should be done compared to to compared to society as a whole so yeah the story just revolves around their childhood and how they went from state to state city to city just to well um escape from the consequences of their actions because well you know with the unorthodox parenting there would naturally be some federal services slash child protection people up your doors so a lot of the yeah a lot of the stories about that and also how they are living day basically day to day bread to bread because you know naturally you also won't have a lot of money if you're that unstable of a family what what actually brought you to this book why did you what made you decide to read it it's not a book that I would pick up yeah. if I was if I were to see it in a bookstore. But the only reason I wanted to read this book was because I actually watched a film on a plane journey. I see. And yeah, the film had Woody Harrelson as the dad mm. and his performance was really good. So I was like, all right, I'm hooked. So I had to read the book right, to experience it again. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. After watching the adaptation I have to watch the original I have to read the original <laughs> so yeah I bought it and surprisingly it was a very good read I guess I want to know your thoughts on like the whole thing uh, the whole storyline like first because I mean you're hooked but like general thoughts general thoughts is if I were to describe it in just one word it's mm. just heart-wrenching because this is a story of like bittersweet childhood memories Right. Because normally, if you were to think about, you know, you having a childhood like so, having parents like so, you would think about how you hated your childhood and how, oh, my parents were so, were so and so, they didn't do such and such correctly. But this is not the theme of the book, nor the film. Like, they portrayed it very well, how their parents were like that because of their own, well, of their own upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of like a vicious cycle. The, the writer, like Jeanette Wall, she doesn't actually blame her parents in the book. Oh. And she kind of takes on a more neutral neutral tone about her dad. Like, obviously, she talks about the stuff that he does. Like, you know, um, there are sections where he, like I mentioned just now, he, he runs away and he drinks days on end. He doesn't come back for three days and he's, he reeks of alcohol after he does. But there are also sections where, you know, it's heartwarming where he takes her out and they look at stars and he points out what stars are which, like... Her dad's a very intelligent person, like, we can see later in the book. But the general idea is that the parents, like her dad and mum, 
or her dad in, in particular is not a bad person. He just was unfortunate in his upbringing. And so even though he loves his kids very much, he doesn't know how to express it or he doesn't know the right way to do so. Which is, I think, the main, yeah, the main theme in this book, really. And that was why I think it's heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. Because it's, the whole book for me is like a whole tale of sort of wrongly represented parental love. Oh, damn. Wrongly expressed parental love. It sounds really heavy. It is, yeah. It, oh, wow. If you think into it, if you think into it, it's quite heavy. Because, you know, it's quite easy for someone to look back and blame XYZ for their childhood. It's especially, and XYZ, most of the time for some people, is um, our parents, you know? Yeah. And they'll easily say, oh, I wish my dad didn't punch me. I wish my dad didn't do this. I wish my mom did that. I wish my mom did this. And it's so easy to fall into that spiral and blame them. So it's interesting that you say that, she's, that she doesn't... I, I take it, this one is, yeah, this one I'm hearing, she doesn't blame her parents. It's more telling it as it is, Yeah, that sort of thing. I think it's because um, normally she would blame her parents, right? But there's this, I think I would say turning point, maybe, or like this one scene in the book, which kind of explains why her dad is at it, as how he is, or how he was. Because they went to live with her paternal grandma, mm-hmm. and she turns out, you know, she turns out to be quite a creep, and she molest, she actually molested her brother. Oh God! So they were thinking that maybe she did the same to, you know, her dad, and that's why he turned out a bit messed up after he grew up. So you know, could you could you blame could you blame the dad for turning out like that after seeing, you know, what his mom is? Oh, that, that, that doesn't make it easy. I mean, yeah, a right. part of me wants to shout, yeah, he should, he should, he should turn his life around. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, if this is your mother, you know, this is the only person you have coming into the world, and this is all, this is the treatment you get. Well, it's not a good start. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So the, I mean, did, did the dad, did the was the dad very physical with his children? I don't remember. I don't think so. Like, all things considered, actually. The way he treated his kids was a lot better than how his mom treated him. Yeah. Even though it might not be good in the normal standard, I felt at least he showed like proper parental love at times. <laughs> I guess that was the answer. Like, I'm kind of glad to hear because it'd be harder to sympathize with such a character if he's like, you know, always like groping his little girls. And stuff <sighs> no, like that. he wasn't. Okay. Wasn't. Although, actually, I think. While he wasn't groping his kids himself, I think there was one scene. I think it was like a swimming pool scene and he wanted to get some fast cash and some of it was trying to get his daughter to get groped by other men. So that was that was actually a bit fucked up. But I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, for the most part, he did love his daughters or, and sons because um, Jeanette Walls wasn't the only kid yeah. Right. She had uh she had two sisters, if I remember correctly. She had two sisters and a brother. So the brother was the one that who got molested by the grandmother, as I mentioned just now. Mm-hmm. And one of them is older and the other one's the youngest. Mm-hmm. I feel like her dad did love them because because while with all the messed up shit he did, he still they still in the end cared for all of them. 
Yeah, when I hear this, it reminds me of this time I had I had um, an Irish friend and a Malaysian friend, and the Malaysian friend was basically scolding the Irish friend for basically dissing his parents, and I said, and we were curious, like as a group, we were staring into this. We we're going, oh, why are you telling him that? So the Malaysian friend would say, you know, I love my mom. I would tell her like I call her mom. I'd say, mom, I love you, like blah blah blah, and. Uh, I show my care. I show my love and everything. I would never disrespect her. I would never say, "Yo, bitch, what are you doing?" Whereas he points out quite clearly because we've seen it. Like the, my Irish friend, he calls his mum by her first name and would say, "Get the fuck out of here! What are you doing? Like, shut the shut the door, bitch!" And it was a bit more playful banterish. So he didn't mean all these things. Like he didn't mean like get the fuck out in like the like the harsh way. You know, he meant like. Oh, mom, get out! Yeah, you know, like a, a bit of an Eric Cartman kind of way, but yeah. but not as douchebaggy, and you could see that it wasn't it wasn't done with any malice. It was more like a, it was more like an instant switch, like get out, like sort of yeah. thing, or fuck off. You know, his mom was his mom was like okay with it as well, right? His mom was okay with it because like he's used to it, mm. and also like that. Of course, if his mom was not okay with it, she let him know. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a truly just giving the kid everything sort of moment, but then like uh, then I had a friend who was half Irish and half Malaysian pointing out say say actually this is just how things are like like in Asia you would express your love one way in the West you this is how you would express love in another way you know it's not necessarily one is better than the other it's just. I guess in Asian eyes, it's like if you call your mom by their first name, if you shout at them for seemingly no reason, it just doesn't come across as very loving. Whereas it might not be the case. It might, and growing from the Western perspective, it's like, yeah, my my mom respects me, and she and I have this understanding that I'm not going to be a kid forever, and she loves me that way. That she gives me enough space to be my own person. I guess that was the. These are the two perspectives they took. And it's really a clash of worlds. So it's also interesting to see this sort of idea being played out in your in in uh, Glass Castle. Oh yeah, in, definitely. In that you know you have these un seemingly unorthodox parenting uh, standards, and you have you have this interesting way of looking at these things. You know, it's not like it's not like oh it was bad, it was good. It was more like there is a gray area where you're operating in, and you're trying to figure out like. Is this is this love? Is this is this bad? Is this good? You know that sort of stuff. No, definitely true though. <clears throat> I do, yeah. So I do want to say, even even though I'd said that the writer did sympathize with her parents, mm-hmm. well, at least she didn't write about her parents in a very demeaning way. Mm-hmm. The story actually, sort of like at the imme- the immediate end of the story is that they all moved out from the parents still. Right. So I think. This kind of speaks volumes in the sense of how, you know, even though they might respect, they might respect the parents' motivations and go, okay, yeah, um, you might not be fully to blame for this. They still think that there's a line to be drawn and they basically, you know, if they think, if, if they fully sympathize with the parents, they wouldn't have moved out, right? But the fact that they all moved out in the end. It shows how they their parents still cross some line in their, some lines in their heart, right? Mm-hmm. And I I'm not sure how this links into your point just now, but I feel like the way I look at it mm-hmm. is you know this this kind of thing is more prevalent in the West, like the whole moving out thing. But mm. I'm just trying to think like if 
this story was set in, I don't know, Asia, Malaysia, China, uh, any other Asian country, would their kids have moved out at all or would they still live with their parents, even though with, with how kind of abusive, quote unquote, they are? It's quite, it's quite interesting that you mentioned that. So I've, I have met people who have, who are from Asian backgrounds. They, because of very sensitive situations at mm. home, as in like, it really could be the case of abusive parenting. The moment they could move out, they moved out, even if it meant moving to a really dodgy, really shitty area, they, mm. they did it, they did it. I also do think it's quite interesting that you point out this sort of East and West difference in like moving out because i guess i mean correct me if i'm wrong in the west it's almost you know moving out it's almost a rite of passage you have almost yeah it's like after you move out in university it's kind of like an unspoken rule that you never move back exactly so your parents are like why are you here again yeah (laughs) Yeah. or if you go back in you have to pay rent that kind of stuff right exactly Whereas in the West, in, in the East, it's like, it's almost like you go to school, you come back, and then you do, you get your job, you live at home, you support your parents from there. I feel like you only move out when you get married in the East. Exactly. Yeah. You only move out when you start your own family, or even, or like if you're, or even your parents can stay with you in that situation, but normally, you're right, you normally move out. Mm. And whereas in, that's why I feel that, you know, this whole thing where, there's just not enough houses for people to buy or rent and uh, living is too expensive and it's a phenomenon over the world. I feel like the East can take it better simply because that was already kind of in the culture. Like that whole, yeah, I'm only starting out in life. I'm happy living with my parents. Whereas in the West, all of a sudden, it's like this whole rite of passage thing. It's like it's gone because I'm all of a sudden I'm forced to go back to live with my parents. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's, it's all about how much of a unit you view family as. I guess in the West, it's more individual, it's more individualistic. Yeah. I think, yeah, you can see in the book as well how they all moved out in different stages. So it was more like everyone to their own. I think I think the siblings helped each other out as well. But it was a, it was very much a, okay, I'm, I'm now independent enough to support myself. I'm going to move out of this shithole and go to New York City. Mm-hmm. Ironic. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> From one shithole to another. Uh, well. Also, if you look at the attitudes towards the old, so the way I see it is like the old people, they're kind of looking at us to provide for them as they grow older. Mm-hmm. Uh, being tossed into an old folks' home uh, is seen as embarrassing for the kid and as for the whole family because it just shows that you can't afford to keep take care of your parents. Your parents have given you everything and you can't take care of them back, or you don't want to, yeah. whichever is worse. Whereas is in the West, it's like, yeah, old folks home, yeah, whatever, toss them in, done. <laughs> oh, they get to play with all the old people, and if you watch that South Park episode, it's, you know, it's like prison in there. So I guess you have that attitude as well, and I'm not saying one is necessarily better than the other, although for myself, I know which one I prefer, but it might very much be an, uh, a product of my upbringing. No, I, I do I do see what you mean. I think it's also whether you think your parents are worthy of, I guess, well, maybe it sounds really bad coming from me, mm-hmm. but I think the Western perspective is more like, do you think your parents are worthy of, um, you know, of your time? <laughs> because, as I said, right, it's a whole individualistic thing. So you're coming from yourself thinking whether, basically, they've done me enough good in my life for me to do good to them at the end, right? It's a very, uh, 
eye for an eye not really eye for an eye more like a you know a money for, for money yeah, yeah. For tap, money for yeah, money exactly. dollar for dollar kind of kind of thing that's a better way to put it yeah I mean it's interesting like in this story right one could argue that the parents didn't do anything for, for the kids mm. and I feel like that's kind of like the mentality that the kids took as well because um, yeah the, the book actually starts with you know their parents living homeless in the mm. streets and that was because they ran out of money and like the kids didn't support them and you would say oh no that's really bad they should support them but like if you've read the book it's kind of justified because when the kids try to move out you know her dad actually stole some of her money like oh, the money what? that yeah he stole some of her money like the money that she saved up to move out he stole it so this is kind of warranted right in in a way <laughs> you know you might not agree or like more eastern cultures might not agree but you know you can see you can see the mentality or like you can at least you can at least appreciate the reasoning they had for letting their parents live on the street although although yeah it's like i think they did buy an apartment in new york city but it was still it was still like for their parents but i think it was like a very shitty one still i can't remember exactly the details of the story i don't think that was a particularly important part i think yeah i think the main point is still the attitude towards you know your parents yeah so i think with that in mind nick um mm-hmm. First of all, we can start with, should we blame the parent if their terrible parenting was a result, result of a traumatizing childhood? So I, I take it you're referring to, is it yeah. the dad's so, mother? Yeah. So like yeah. the dad and all, and all the stuff that he did and how his mum treated him in, child, in his childhood. So what do you think? If you were raised shitty, you're going, you will raise shitty. If you're a bad mm. parent, if you had a bad parent, you will be a bad parent. So if you think about it from a very broad, very generic brought pure maths point of view let's say every couple has three kids okay and let's say these every and let's say as a couple you treated you you were just bad parents okay if if it were true that bad parents lead to more bad parents those three kids would have well then they themselves would be bad parents right and then keep uh, keep following the logic down each each of those kids become my own cup uh gets their own three kids, and you keep following that down, that would imply that within 20 generations or something like that, the entire generation would be bad parents. Right. And that's yeah. clearly not true, right? Mm. There are good parents in this yep. world. There are shit parents in this world. So it don't, I don't think it's a, the cause, if that makes sense. It, it won't be the, the only factor. There are other factors in life that will, that will play into this. But that being said, I, I do think, I'm, I hate to say it, it's a big cause. <laughs> that's, from, that's what I'm trying to get. It's a big factor. It is a, it is a factor, but it, alone, it, it's not enough. It's, that's the point I'm trying to aim yeah. at. I think if you look at, especially a lot of criminals that come from shitty backgrounds, it does stem from a lot of bad parenting and not showing them the right way. Although, like with, there is some evidence to suggest that actually it's not even your parents. You could come from very nice parents, but if you live in a shitty area or you mix with shitty people, you just end up getting shitty results there is also an argument that says that the worst thing i mean this is especially in america the worst thing they ever did was this whole war on drugs thing because what it did was it removed the black father from the household and essentially i mean it's not bad parenting necessarily but you basically crippled that sort of parent unit so even if it's not quote-unquote like abusive bad parenting the parent unit i'm referring to is weaker 
because it's just one parent. And as a result, you have this kid that has to find their parent from either the state or from gangs or from their own areas. And so that, that breeds like further discord into other aspects. Into they life. have no moral authority. Exactly. Yeah. There's no moral authority to look up to. Um, you ever heard the phrase, it takes, a chi- it takes a village to raise a child? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I do see more and more the, the, the rationale behind that. So back to your point, I don't think there's a binary answer. I do think it's a big part. I, it's a, it's a cop-out, but that's the best I can do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, do, I do see the logic in that answer. You know, to quote Todd Chavez in Bojack Horseman, oh, you're everything that's wrong with you. You need to be better. You know, at some point, you need to take responsibility for your own actions. It's not it's not everything that happened to you when you were a kid and all the stuff that happened to you and all the stuff that your mom did to you. At some point, you have to take responsibility for your actions, right? I mean, it's victim mindset, isn't yeah. it? Um, like how, how do you perceive your life? Do you see your life as purely a victim of circumstance? Or do you see your life as the one that changes those circumstances or does something with it? Yeah. I will say it's it's easier for some people to switch that mindset than others. Yeah. So if you were in a situation where in your entire life you were being beaten up by your parents, you go to school, you get beat up in school, you go to you go to your gang or wherever, you get beat up there, it is e- very... Too easy to blame those things and be like, oh, I got beaten up my entire life, so that's... I'm just the way I am because of that. Blame exactly. them, not me. Right? Exactly. I mean, you have that, but it's also like, it's hard to see another way, if that yeah. makes sense. No, I... It's hard. It's, it's, it's hard and it's when you have one side to look at the other because it's very hard to switch the mindset on that as well exactly. and I think there are, both, there are two sides to this right there's like the I can switch my mindset very easily and there's like the I'm like that and it's very hard for them to for, for those to sympathize with the other and that's a very controversial subject that you know we have just barely touched on but. Exactly. I mean I don't have kids of my own so I couldn't tell you what being a good parent is or being a bad parent is. But saying that, though, I do feel like, you know, after reading the book and mm-hmm. seeing how the Oedicus turned out, so I'll just quickly say what the Oedicus are doing. So her brother, Brian, is a police officer. Mm-hmm. Her sister, Laurie, I think, is an artist. Mm-hmm. And her other sister, Maureen, is... I think she was in college and then she dropped out and she wasn't there at the end. of the, But, yeah, I think there was another whole subplot of... You know, she was the last to move out and basically she couldn't stand being there with her parents. But, you know, the idea is they all turned out to be quite normal human beings. Mm. And I feel like there's there's a very important section of the novel or of the of the book. So I'm sure that those people had kids of their own. Their parenting methods will be actually normal. They will actually be acceptable by society standards. And they wouldn't have to go around state to state, city to city, running around from feds, child protection services. You know, that would actually lead normal lives. And I think that is very important because it shows that the cycle could be broken. Mm. Ooh, con- I- I'm going to bring this up. It's very controversial. And do you think, you know how when you do certain, perform certain roles, you need to take exams or get certified and stuff like mm. that. Do you think there should be some minimum, not, I won't say exams, but minimum standards to be a parent for example like you need to show you have no you need to show that you can support them for one like schooling and stuff you need to show that you have no uh history of being abusive stuff like that or well okay well i think it's hard to really standardize this kind of test i do feel like some basic education should be have 
for every parent. So you know, once you know a couple decides to have a child, you know they the the the, the woman gets tested um, positive for pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> for, for pregnancy, fuck, <laughs> it's over. They should they should have some mandatory classes I'm not because right now it's like optional classes right yeah but I feel like they should have mandatory classes just like to standardize it as much as possible make sure the parents have at least the ba- most basic understanding of what to do so you know they, they, they don't just experiment with their kids it's not it's hard because if you ask every parent in the world like 90% of them would go I actually have no idea what I'm doing so how do you I mean how do you even go about saying what's the proper way to bring up a child i mean just building on your point like what about basic lessons instead of how to raise a child it's more like how you can find support um instead of saying you should do xyz with your child you should say if you encounter problem x with your child or if you encounter problem x while raise whilst raising your child you should contact this or you can do this like you're more like showing you contingency plans. Don't they do that already? Kind of, they give it out on leaflets, but it's very passive. Right? Yeah, it's very passive. So they do, I feel like they do need to at least have some mandatory seminars or whatever, you know? Maybe one or two hours per week. Yeah. For those, like, during pregnancy, just so the information at least seeps in somehow. And the argument I can see against this would be, yeah, but why should, first of all, it's like, why should anyone pay for this? Secondly, of I course. I don't think it should be paid. I think it mm. should, well, I think it should be paid by the, as in government, go yeah, pay by government. government. Yeah, and like my and reason, I'll be like, where's my tax tax money going to? I'm not even having kids, and I'm paying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like <laughs> these kids, yeah, exactly. No, that's what I'm seeing, and I guess the only thing I can, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is like, yeah, these kids are the ones that are going to sort of build. Uh, they're going to be your future when you're older, so you kind of want them to at least get some good treatment. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I do think that is the best solution to. Yeah what we were talking about so just education right yeah it's always well it's always just education in the end i know <laughs> i am conscious of time so in the end i do want to just share one quote from the book and you know a book like this it has a lot of quotes for gems but if i were to just pick one quote from the book it would be this one i wanted to let the world know that no one had a perfect life that even the people who seem to have it all had their secrets that's true yeah that is true i just want to leave it there to for people to think about all right guys that's all we have for today thank you for listening in if you like what we do follow us on spotify just type in paper cut podcast in your search bar or in any of your other preferred streaming sites if you want to leave us a comment or let us know what you think you can email us at papercut.cast at gmail.com or Instagram at papercut.cast no caps or Twitter at papercutpodcast one word no caps look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode until then I'm Nick and I'm Eugene peace out <laughs>